Dougie Fresh. Hey, hey, Arsenio <laughs> Hall! What's up, dog? How you? Hey, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate this. You know, we start every interview the same way. Two okay. questions. One, okay. where are you? Right now, I'm standing, looking out of the window in my bedroom. And two, what are you wearing? Hey, let's see. I have on a navy blue robe, a DC skateboard t-shirt, and unfortunately... No draws. I, I, I don't know what happened, but apparently last night I had a good time. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know I had on some Fruit of the Looms when I went to bed last night. And by the way, the way you start interviews, yeah. genius. That's genius. You know, <laughs> that's the way I start conversations with Paula Abdul. It's not even an interview. Every now and then I call her and say, hey, baby, uh, what, what you wearing? <laughs> How y'all doing, man? What's up, Doug? Just pumped up to see you this weekend at Good Nights. Got uh, four shows, two on Friday, two on Saturday. And Arsenio, I feel like we've known you for years from the days of your talk show and the movies coming to America and everything. And Paramount just hired the original two writers, Blustein and Sheffield, who wrote Coming to America, just hired them to work on a sequel because uh, Eddie had an idea, and he went to these two writers, really particular about story. If he does a sequel of this, he wants you know the story to be incredible. He doesn't want to let fans down. Often we do in Hollywood, making a sequel to raking in cash, but not keeping the quality of that original fantasy that we called Coming to America. So, so that might happen. Now, I don't have a contract to be in it yet. <laughs> They're still working on the script. It could be Dikembe Mutombo and, uh, <laughs> you know, Michael Blackson. Who knows? You know, but Trevor Noah might come to America in this one. They're working on it. They have to have you. How many different characters did you play in that movie? I played a preacher. Uh, I played Simi, the African. I played um, a barber. I was a woman in a club when we <laughs> went looking for chicks. I was remember that chick that said, "I want to tear you apart." That's you and your friend too. <laughs> I was very early on the Caitlyn train. Okay, I, <laughs> that was a fun character to do. I'd never worn pantyhose, and I'm still looking for my underwear right now. <laughs> How's it like getting back into the stand-up routine? I love it, man. You know, it's if you're a bodybuilder and you never go to goals, you're really not a bodybuilder, you know? <laughs> and, and you let that muscle get soft. When I started doing it again, at first you're afraid because if you do something and you step away from it, you can sometimes unjustifiably become frightened of it, thinking, oh gosh, I could never get it back again. I, a whole hour? Oh my. And I would start going to comedy clubs and doing five minutes, ten minutes. Then I would start uh, popping out with George Lopez and just feeling it out, you know, and when he had gigs, just come out and surprise people, and now I'm having such a great time. As a matter of fact, it's almost like finding an old restaurant you used to go to, and you forgot how good it was, because I'm trying to share it with other people. Like, I can't tell you, maybe twice a week, I say to Eddie, dog, you got to come do this. It's the therapy that we need, you know, and People love seeing you out there talking about what you're doing now, talking about Apprentice. I'm one of the only comedians that knows Hillary and Donald Trump. You know, when, when I was dealing with the election, I'm like, I know these people. This is like me choosing between the two Menendez brothers or something, you know. <laughs> it's a, a horrible election. And, and, and people are so receptive, and I'm trying to get Eddie to get off his ass and come on out because if he stay at home longer, he's going to have... 13, 14 more kids this year, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Yeah, he got a lot of kids. Boy, I spend most of my days writing material and remembering my names of <laughs> nieces and nephews 
at the Murphy house, you know. I'm, I'm trying to get him out of there. Well, Chris Rock, going back to his roots, doing the stand-up thing, too, and, you know, he said it was a little intimidating getting back up on that stage. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Chris texted me a couple weeks ago, and he was saying the same things. He asked me how it was for me, and I said, well, I stayed away for, like, 18 years, dog, and, I, you know, I've been away much longer than you, so you'll get it back quicker. The next time I heard from Chris, he said, I'm going to Cleveland. Why don't you come with me? <laughs> and I said, I'll be there. And then he texts me again and said, I just talked to Chappelle. He's in Jersey. He's coming, too. Let's turn Cleveland out. Man, Doug, it was the best night, the best night. Just a bunch of guys who still really love it, and I'm working with, you know, I, I say kids, but these are young men who I used to put on TV when they started out. As a matter of fact, Chris Rock and I did the pilot for Def Jam. At that time, it was called Uptown Comedy Express. It was being produced by Eddie's company. It was me, him, Robert Townsend, and Marsha Warfield. And we did this. Eddie was like, hey, I just did that because we wanted to... uh, Actually, we gave money to this theater and refurbished this theater and did a show in it. But that show became something they took to Russell Simmons, and they said, if Murphy won't produce this, will you? And it became Def Jam. So so hooking up with Chris and working with Chappelle, it was unbelievable. The, the walls came down because Cleveland didn't know we were coming. They, they knew Chris was coming, and that's enough if you like comedy. But when me and Chappelle walked out and did 20 apiece, it was the best night. You're back in your old stomping grounds. I mean, Kent State University graduate, and that's where you're from, a Buckeye. It was home for me, man. I was I was at a theater down the street from a magic shop I used to work in when I was a kid, <laughs> and it was incredible to go home and do that. You know, a lot of people from other parts of the world, when they hear people bark <laughs> because I walk out or People bark at me in the damn mall, but but people don't know why, and it's because I'm from Cleveland. You know why, but it's because I'm a dog. Dog. Can't wait to see you here. Four shows coming up at uh, Good Nights uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, too, a night. Thank you so much for uh, popping in and uh, being a part of the Kicks thing. Before I let you go, i got to ask you, we play uh, 70s and 80s music. Give me the Arsenio jam I can play for you. Okay, you know what we should do, man? Hit me. The greatest musician in the world was a friend of mine. And I'm biased, obviously, but if you can play anything from Purple Badness, anything from the artist formerly known as Prince, anything from my homie who was one of the best friends along with being a great musician, I would be forever in your debt, Doug. Rock any Prince you got. You just played guest DJ. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yo, this is Arsenio Hall, 1029. I'm at Good Nights this weekend, Raleigh, North Carolina. And right now, I'm hanging with my dog, Doug.